Good morning. Merry Christmas, church family. Good singing, good singing out there. Way to jump in. And fun to celebrate Advent uh, with us uh, all gathered together. Advent, of course, means coming. So we're celebrating that first coming of Jesus 2,000 years ago when God sent his son to live among us. And so we're going to be talking about that uh, quite a bit here as we get ready to celebrate Christmas. Speaking of, it's looking pretty Christmassy around here, isn't it? There's a lot of lights going on behind me. We got these fancy lit up trees back here and, and lit candles and, and a Christmas tree, of course. Lots of Christmas lights everywhere. And so it's fun to celebrate the Christmas season. Fun to see that start to pop up everywhere. Um, I don't know if you have the same rule, but I'm one of those like Christmas music has to wait till after Thanksgiving. Some nods, but then some chuckles because some people have been listening to it for like three months already. Um, and then the other thing I try to do is, you know, I wait till Thanksgiving to get to Christmas, uh, to get to Christmas music, but I also wait to Thanksgiving to get to Christmas lights. And I did manage to get the Christmas lights on my house, so there you go. So I'm, I'm, I'm that far along. Anybody else got your Christmas lights outside yet? A few, good job. And then, um, and then, of course, we did also manage to get our tree and get our tree inside and get our tree decorated. So um, how many of you got your Christmas tree ready to rock? Already looking good. All right, right on. Anybody have traditions with how they uh, go about decorating the tree? Certain people who do certain jobs or certain kinds of decorations for their trees? Yes, traditions, things that tend to be the same every year. Uh, well, I have four kids, and this is how we've been doing it for quite a while. Uh, we have a job for each. That's Chris, my youngest, who his job is to, put the, uh, f to water the tree that first time, and then well, throughout the month as well. Mia's job is to put the first ornament on the tree. There she is, a few years younger than she is now. Uh, and then Trevor's job is the ceremonial lighting. He's not trying to electrocute himself. He is trying to turn the light switch on and get the tree lit up. You know, that's his kind of, um, his traditional task when we get the tree decorated. And then our oldest, Kalen, uh, has been putting the angel on top of the tree for a lot of years. Uh, for some reason, I don't lift her up like this anymore. <laughs> Although I did lift her up this year and we did pull it off still. She's 16 now, so that's pretty exciting. Um, and I have, uh, you know, we've been doing these for years. So I, if, you have some, if you have about an hour, I'm going to show you each year of each of those traditions and then we'll start the sermon. Is that okay? No. Okay. I'll spare you. But aren't Christmas lights fun? And they add a lot to our environment. They, they're beautiful and, and, um, and practical and, uh, at the same time. And so we're going to be thinking about Christmas light uh, today and in the coming uh, weeks. So open your Bibles and turn to John chapter 1, verse 1, if you would. Love you to bring your Bibles with you to church so you can follow along in God's Word. Uh, or open your Bible app on your device and, and find John chapter 1, verse 1. At the beginning of the New Testament part of your Bible, you'll find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four of those are stories of the life of Jesus. And we're going to be in John 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 here in a moment. As we jump into a new series, a teaching series here this month that we're calling uh, The Light Has Come. We're going to spend uh, the next, these three Sundays and Christmas Eve uh, getting ready for the, the Advent season, getting ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus, and thinking about this theme that the light has come. And I was thinking about light a little bit this week, and, and you know, light is both uh, pretty, 
It's beautiful and it's functional. The lights in our house uh, brighten things up, but they also are practical, help us see things. You think back to that first Christmas 2,000 years ago, and God put a brilliant star in the sky, and that uh, star was both gloriously beautiful and very practical and helpful in guiding uh, the Magi to Jesus. And so we're going to use this teaching series this month to um, explore this. How is Jesus the Christmas light? And, and how he is both beautiful and, and there's something very necessary about his arrival. Bringing beauty, bringing light, but bringing rescue, bringing God's salvation um, in Jesus. So let's, let's jump in. I'll read a few verses and then we'll take a closer look. John chapter 1, starting at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Father God, as always, we put ourselves before you now, and, and God, I pray that would be true for us daily, that we, would, um, that we would come to you, that we would put ourselves at your feet, that we would lift our eyes to you, that we would open our hearts and minds to your word. God, not just on Sundays, as, as myself and others teach, but God, would you bring us to your word daily? Would, would we learn to, um, to grow spiritually as we uh, look to you as we study your word. And so we do that now, Lord, asking you to open our hearts and minds to what you have for us this morning. God, we thank you for sending your son as light into darkness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so John chapter 1, verse 1, written by the apostle John, one of, the, one of Jesus' closest friends while Jesus was living on the earth. And John writes this at the beginning, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Now that phrase sounds familiar. John starts with the phrase in the beginning. Where else have we heard that in your Bible? Genesis, back to the very beginnings of your Bible, begins a very similar way. And back in Genesis chapter 1, 1, you can fill in the blanks here for me. Back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning, what? God created. God created the heavens and the earth. And so John uses that same phrase here, and he's inviting us into this picture again of the creation account, of God create, being the creator of all things. And he's reminding us in these first few verses of God as creator. In the beginning was the word. And now, it, uh, if, yeah, in John, in the beginning was word, reminding us of Genesis 1.1. In the beginning was the word. What's that all about? Who is that? And, and it, when we first read these passages, if, this is, if you haven't studied this in detail before, we might think, well, what's that talking about? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. But down a few verses in verse 14, the author, John, makes it really clear that the Word is who? Jesus, God's Son, sent to be with us, sent to be among us. That the, that the term, the Word, is referring to Jesus. And so look at what's incredible. Look at in, in chapters, uh, I'm sorry, in verses one and two, look at these incredible truths about Jesus. And let's take a minute to, to, to sit there for a moment in verses one and two. Jesus existed all time, for all time. Jesus is, 
eternal. Jesus has coexisted with God the Father for all times, past, present, and future. We, we sometimes think of Christmas as the arrival of Jesus. We even said that, that the word Advent means the coming of Jesus, and it does. It's the coming of Jesus into our uh, earthly existence, into human existence, in the form of a human baby who grew to be a man. And yet, is Christmas really the arrival, the beginning of Jesus? No, he's, he's existed for all time. And I was studying something this week, and, and somebody suggested this, and I want to see if you agree. Would we agree with this, that we could all benefit from a bigger awareness of who Jesus is? Wouldn't we all benefit from a, from a broader awareness, a, a, a bigger scope of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished? If we could get our heads around who Jesus is and all that he's accomplished and what that means, and we, if we would consider the, his fullness and his greatness and his glory, our lives would, would greatly benefit. So even in verses 1 and 2, we get so much about Jesus that we don't want to skip past, that we don't want to take for granted. When, verse one, when verses 1 and 2 say, in the beginning was the word... That means Jesus has been there, existing with God throughout eternity, and the word was with God. The word was with God seems to indicate kind of a separateness from God, but then it continues on and says, and the word was God. So there's this really interesting mystery going on here where, where, there's a, where there's, Jesus is, is unique from God and yet one with God at the same time. There's distinctness, Christ is distinct, and, that, and yet there is unity with God. And, and, and we should be puzzled. We should kind of wrestle with that mystery in our mind as I see some puzzled faces because that's, that's really, that's speaking to the doctrine of the Trinity, this incredible truth that our Bibles teach about God, that God is one, there is one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. There is this mystery, this truth that the Bible teaches, this mystery that in God there is oneness, unity, one God, and in that oneness there is threeness, the persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, so these, these verses, do they help us to marvel at Christ? Do they help us to wrestle and, and, and think about the greatness of Christ as being, as being deity, as Jesus being God himself, not a created being, not simply a human that arrived on the scene. Yes, fully human, but also fully and absolutely God. And do we, do we recognize then this, this distinctness and this unity with God and that Jesus has existed eternally with God, and was there in Genesis 1-1, was there at the creation. What happened in Genesis 1-1 in the creation? Uh, back in, in Genesis, it describes that time before God created as darkness covering the earth. Picture it for a moment. Darkness covering the earth. There was an absence of light. That darkness was the absence of light. Just picture pitch black, picture Darkness that, that has no light. And then, of course, God, the word of God. 
God's word was spoken. Let there be light. And of course, there was. This light shining into the absence of light. This light shining into the darkness. And in Genesis, this light was bringing about creation. It was revealing God's presence in the darkness. It was revealing his creativity in, in bringing, to, in bringing to, into creation, into being everything that we see and enjoy as well as humanity. Let's look at verse 3. And all things were made through him, through the word. And without him was not anything made that was made. I think when we think of creation, we sometimes think of only of God the Father as creator. But John 1.1 and other places in the Bible are reminding us that, that, yes, all of God's creation, all that has been brought into being is from the creativity and power of God. But Christ, Jesus himself, is very much part of God's creative working. He was there in Genesis 1.1. And look with me on the screen at Colossians uh, 1, verse 16. Oh, no worries. No worries. Jesus was there in the beginning in Genesis 1. And then we look at Colossians 1.16 and it says this. For by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, all things were created through him and for him. Jesus as one with the creator God. Again, why are we thinking about this? What do verse one and two have for us? This greatness and glory of Jesus that we want to ponder because as we ponder the richness and the fullness and the glory of Jesus, it ought to bring us to worship. It ought to bring us to celebration of what De December has for us, about celebrating his birth. And then, we get, and then we get into his life and his sinless life and his substitutionary death on the cross and his victorious resurrection from the dead so that we too can have life with God. So let's ponder who he is. Verse 4. It says, in Jesus, this, I'm back in John now, sorry. John 1, verse 4. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, what's that word life referring to there? When John writes, in him was life, what is he talking about? Well, certainly, life, that word life can be talking about uh, physical life, our vitality, that we are alive and breathing, that we have physical earthly life. Yes, in him was life. J Jesus Christ is, is creator God. He is sustainer of all. He is upholding the universe by his action. So yes, in Jesus was life, our physical life. But most often, when John writes about life, he's talking about spiritual life. And often in John's writing, the word life is paired with another word, eternal. How great of a pairing of words is that? that? That in Christ, that followers of Jesus, that believers in him can have a quality of life that is eternal. Not just speaking of our physical life, in Jesus was life, not just speaking of our physical life, but of our spiritual life. And when John often pairs it with eternal, he's showing the quality and power of a believer's life because of Jesus. In Jesus, God's purposes and power are made available to you and I. Because of Jesus, all, all of God's power and working for salvation and bringing about life 
all of, because of Jesus, that is available to you and I. So Jesus is our hope for life, for life now and life forever. Yes, life forever. Yes, if our, when our earthly existence is over. Yes, when we face earthly death, there is life after because of Jesus. But Jesus also has for us life now. The Bible proclaims that there is abundant life in Jesus, rich, full, meaningful. It doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean apart from pain. It doesn't mean that you won't go through difficulties and suffering and trials. But there is life now. Jesus has hope for our lives now. Rich, full, meaningful, abundant life with him now and life eternal. And so... As we begin studying John chapter 1 the next few Sundays together, as we begin asking ourselves, why is Jesus the Christmas light? Why is he the light? Why as we, why as we consider the, his greatness and the depths of his love for us uh, through, through Jesus, that will lead us to worship. That will lead us to following him. All right, uh, before we take a look at verse 5, I got a question for you. I need some participation here. Uh, before we take a look at verse five, I want to ask you this question. When was the last time you can remember sleeping past noon? <laughs> Anybody have an idea? Approximate age or time of life. When was the last time you slept past noon? High school, 19. Never? No, that's too bad. Can you remember a period of life where perhaps you would occasionally or regularly sleep past noon. I do. For, that, for me, that was college-ish age. Um, a lot of activity, a lot of classes, a lot of sports activity happening in the afternoons, a lot of staying up too late, a lot of sleeping past noon. So when I think of college age and I think of sleeping past noon, here's what I also think about. I also think about the fact that I got to work for the basketball program when I was in college and help out and therefore travel all over the country and we'd fly into cities and we'd play a game and we'd eat and we'd be in a hotel and we'd go back home. One of my favorite parts of traveling with the basketball team was hotel rooms because hotel rooms can be really dark and that makes it a great place to sleep past noon. So when I think of road trips with the basketball team, man, I think of these hotel rooms and the lengths to which we went to make them dark. Okay, can you, you can picture a typical hotel room and then those dark uh, drapes on the, on the sides of the window, what are those? Blackout shades, right? These blackout curtains, these darkening curtains. And man, you could pull those suckers pretty tight and most hotel rooms will get pretty dark and be pretty conducive to sleeping past noon. So I was a big fan. But the typical hotel room wasn't good enough for me. I, I took the extra steps necessary to find as much pitch black as I could to sleep. So I rolled up a towel and I went over to the door of the hotel room and put the towel over the crack in the door to the hallway because those hallway lights were always on. And then I took a pillow and I took it and propped the pillow up against the bottom of the curtains, you know, to, to make sure there's nothing underneath the bottom of the curtain. And I took another extra pillow and I propped it against the side of those curtains to make sure that the curtains were pushed all the way to the wall. Tracking with me? And then, yes? And then I went to the closet and I got a hanger. And you know in the hotels, those hangers, they have the clips on them? I grabbed one of those, ho those hotel hangers with the clips and then take it to the middle of those darkening shades, pull the darkening shades together and clip them closed. Serious business. This is serious business, trying to get a good night's sleep, trying to have some, some good darkness. 
But verse 5 tells us this. What does that have to do with anything? Verse 5 tells us this. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know what's interesting about that phrase in God's word right there, that the darkness has not overcome it? The darkness tried. The darkness tries to overcome the light. The darkness resists the entrance of light. But what? Does it? Can it? Does it hold out the light? Who wins, light or dark? Yeah. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Look with, on the screen with me at Isaiah 9. This is a, a verse from the Old Testament, a prophecy by the prophet Isaiah about the promised rescuer. This verse is talking about the one who was pro- prophesied to come, foretold to come and rescue God's people. And R- Isaiah wrote this. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has the light shone. Jesus, years later, Jesus became the fulfillment of this prophecy. And the, and, and the fulfillment of that prophecy is incredible news for all of humanity and you and I. The fulfillment of that prophecy of the people seeing a great light, of light coming into the darkness, means that the great and mighty creator God has come to be with us. It means that when we sing Christmas songs about Emmanuel, that means God with us. When we sang the song a few minutes ago, what an amazing mystery that grace would come to me, that God would step into our lives, that God's rescue plan would involve coming to us, that God's rescue plan would involve light piercing the darkness. What an amazing mystery that God's grace would come to me and you. When John wrote these verses, it was a light and darkness were a common metaphor for good and evil. And if we think about light and dark, if we think about light and dark, if we think about good and evil, we might be tempted to think 50-50, light versus evil. I mean, light versus dark, good versus evil. But this is not an equal matchup. Light and dark are not equally matched. Good and evil is, are not equally matched. Amen. Look with me on the screen here at, at 1 John 1, 5. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Light and dark are not equally matched. According to John, according to God's word here and John's writings, darkness Yeah, darkness is the absence of light. That's part of it. Yes, these verses in John allude to the creation account where, where God's light shining forth revealed his glory, revealed the creation, brought light where there was no light. And yet in John's writings, darkness is not only the absence of light, but also darkness represents spiritual darkness, the presence of sin, the presence of evil, the fact that things are broken and not as God intended. But church family, when God comes, darkness doesn't stand a chance. When we think about the life of Christ and you think about 
life of Christ, his, his sinless life, walking in obedience to God, living the life that you and I cannot live, being accused and falsely, uh, being arrested, falsely accused, condemned to death, brutally killed on the cross. At that moment, when darkness covered the earth and Jesus hung on the cross, did it appear, did it perhaps appear that evil had won? Maybe. But then came the resurrection. Then came Jesus' power over sin and death, raising to life his son, the rescuer. It may have appeared that evil had won. It may have appeared that darkness had conquered, but then the resurrection. In the battle between Jesus and Satan, Jesus, the light, emerges victor every time. Look on the screen at John 3. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. This Christmas series we're entitled is called The Light Has Come. The light has come. Jesus, the Christmas light into darkness has come, and this tells us that left to our own, that apart from him, that we choose the darkness so that we don't be exposed. It's one thing for me to choose darkness in a hotel room because I want to sleep past noon. But if choosing darkness means choosing sin and rebellion against God and and the presence of evil, if, if darkness represents all of that, then guess what? We need rescue. We don't need a pillow so we can enjoy the darkness. We need to be pulled out of the darkness. And into this dark world, Jesus, the light, brings true knowledge, moral purity, and the very presence of God in our midst. Because what do we know about light? Light pierces. Light exposes. Light reaches everywhere. It doesn't take a look at this picture of the hotel room again. It doesn't matter how hard I tried to seal up the, 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 well, yeah, it doesn't matter how hard I tried to block it out. When the morning came, this is what it looked like. For all of our efforts to stay in the darkness, for all of our efforts to hide ourselves and not, be exp- not have our true selves and the dirt of our heart exposed, the light pierces through. The light exposes The light reaches everywhere. Darkness resists. Darkness tries to overcome, but the light prevails. Why did I take such pains with the towel under the door and pinning the curtains? Because I knew the light would get through and disrupt my sleep. I may not have wanted to be physically awakened. I did not want to be physically awakened But church family, God's pursuit of you and I, God's love coming after you and I, God sending the rescuer, his son, the true light, that brings about spiritual awakening. I'm not talking about getting woken up in my hotel room. I'm talking about the true light is pursuing you, and yes, it will expose your sin, and yes, it will call you out of darkness and into the light, and that will come with marvelous life now and forever. Jesus is the light, the Christmas light. And when I think of, um, 
When I think of darkness, I think of bad news. And that's what makes Jesus the light into darkness, such good news, right? And when I think of good news, I think of the phrase we always say around here, that, that the gospel, when you want to know what the gospel is, what does that word the gospel mean? The gospel is the good news that God rescues sinners like you and me who are stuck in our sin and rebellion against God, that God would take action to rescue you and I from our sin through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But you know what makes the gospel such good news? What makes the gospel such good news is that there's bad news that we gotta wrestle with first. There's a reality of darkness that needs to be pierced by the light. There's a reality of the predicament we're in that is bad news, which is what makes the good news so good. And here's what that darkness is. Here's what that bad news is. Here's what that reality is that we need to come to grips with. That while God created you, that while God loves you, that while he wants to be in relationship with you, while all of that is true, that God created you, loves you, and wants to know you, and wants to bless you, and wants you to follow him, and wants you to find true life in him, while all of that is true, our relationship is marred by the entrance of sin into the world. Our relationship is broken because we choose our own way. Our relationship is, is broken because we go our own way in rebellion against God, choosing self over others, choosing self over God, making other things a God where God should be. That's what's bad news. And our rebellion against God is deserving of his wrath and judgment. And Ephesians 5.8 says this, For at one time you were darkness. But God didn't leave us there. God didn't leave us stuck in that mess. God enacted his rescue plan that sent his son, the light into darkness, to free us from this predicament, to free us from being enslaved to sin so that we may be made right with God. Not only has, the, has God's action through Jesus connected the holy and perfect God with sinful you and me, we have been made right, we've been put back in relationship, and not only that, because of Christ, we have been adopted into God's family. That verse continues, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. In other words, so live as children of light. Church family, submit to Jesus. I'm not just talking about once back when, when you first became a Christian. I'm talking about let's learn, you and I together, to live in submission to Jesus, to realizing we can't do it on our own, to realizing there's nothing I can do to match up to his standard, that there's no brownie points that can be earned that get me into heaven. Let's recognize how short we fall, how much we need, and surrender our lives to Jesus to follow him, to find life, to receive God's grace gift, his free gift of salvation. Follow him, find life, now and forever. Father God, we thank you for an opportunity to study your word. We thank you for the celebration that is and is to come this month with, as we celebrate the, the birth of your son. Father, we want to celebrate. We want our lives to be, to be thankful, to be joyous because of all that you have done. 
God, would you, would you work in our hearts that we might see you and the glory of Christ and be moved to worship? God, would you make this Christmas season fresh in our minds? Would you make the advent, the, the first coming of Jesus, so fresh in our minds that we look forward to celebrating his birth, that we look forward to his second coming? Father, we need you. Our earthly life is dark at times. We, we face difficulties. We experience suffering and trial. So we need you. So we are so thankful that your rescue plan involved sending light into the darkness, sending us hope in Christ. God, I pray that it wouldn't be trite if, if we want to reflect on, 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 on these days coming up to Christmas, if we, that it wouldn't be trite that we would say, that we want to know the reason for the season. God, I pray that it wouldn't be trite that I would try to set aside my busyness and, and instead focus on you. God, those things are true. We are busy. There are things that crowd you out of our lives. There are things that distract us. And so, God, we confess to you that we need you to lift our eyes, to help us to focus on Jesus. God, in the coming days, help us not to miss the greatness of Christ and the love you demonstrated to us in sending Jesus as light into darkness to rescue us from sin and death. And God, as we think about the glorious good news of that rescue, God, I pray that our lives would respond in thankfulness to you. I pray that, that you would work in us and through us, that we would be transformed from the inside out. God, I confess to you that I struggle and fall short and fail. God, would you show me where I have sin, where you want to work, where you want to help me, where you want to forgive me, where you want to transform me. So God, be working in us. And also, God, be working through us. God, as you are light into darkness, we pray that we would honor your call to be light to our world as well. God, as you fill our hearts with light, as your love fills us up, would it overflow out of us? God, would you use us individually and collectively as a church family to be light into, into the darkness, to be light in our community, to share the good news of Jesus through our words and actions? God, we thank you for Jesus, the true light. And as we continue in worship, as we lift our voices and say our prayers and give our gifts, God, may we do this all with thankfulness of that rescue plan and of salvation you offer us through Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.